We've heard people like Meryl Streep talk about it, you know, very, very successful, outwardly successful people continue to struggle with this internal feeling of self-doubt. What's up, fabulous people, and welcome to Real Fabulous Marketing. This is the place where you'll hear stories of real fabulous people to inspire you and also get some amazing marketing strategies that will help you stand out from the crowd, particularly online. I can't wait to do this with you. Let's dive in. Hey there, it's Miranda here and I am pumped to bring you this interview with Cass Dunn today. If you have ever had any feelings of imposter syndrome that maybe where you are is just because of luck or someone liked your face that day, then this is for you. Let's dive in. Cass Dunn has had a long and varied career and I do thank her for her very detailed about page for filling in some of the blanks for me. If you meet Cass now, you'll know her as a psychologist, podcaster, and author of three crappy to happy books covering life, work, and relationships. But that's not the full Cass picture. She's also a certified life coach, ran a very successful online health food store, she's a meditation teacher, and now she's helping women overcome imposter syndrome with her new program, Beyond Confidence, and soon-to-be-released podcast, The Confidence Coach. Welcome, Cass. Thank you for having me. So let's just go straight to the point. What is imposter syndrome and is it just a fancy word for having low self-esteem? That is a very, very good question. Imposter syndrome is a persistent feeling or belief that you are not as smart or capable, intelligent, competent as other people think you are, despite all evidence to the contrary. And that despite all evidence piece is really, really important. So I think when we talk about normal self-doubt, I, I hear a lot of people use the term imposter syndrome to describe what I would describe as pretty human self-doubt. We all feel a little bit wobbly in a new situation. I've not done this before. I'm not sure how this is going to go. But it's when you are high achieving, performing, you're successful, you've got the runs on the board, you've been running the business, you're getting the HDs at uni, and you still can't shake this persistent feeling that it's all a mistake, it's a fluke, it's only a matter of time before people find out that you're not that smart or you shouldn't really be here. That is genuine imposter syndrome. I think everyone listening to this would just be nodding their head right now. <laughs> right. It's very um, common. It's very common. It is very common. And is it just for, you know, regular people to big name celebrities or like people we follow on Instagram? Do they get it? Everybody gets it. Everybody. Well, when I say everybody gets it, they've done research into this and it varies, but I usually use the figure 70%, as many as 70%, but I've read other studies that say as many as 90% of people have experienced it at some point. There's a whole section of the population from undergraduate students at uni through to CEOs of multinational corporations. I mean, really, really high achieving people 
We've heard people like Meryl Streep talk about it. You know, very, very successful, outwardly successful people continue to struggle with this internal feeling of self-doubt. And the thing about imposter syndrome, I guess, which makes it a little bit different and how I distinguish it for people is if you're experiencing normal self-doubt and there's something that you, you're launching your business or you're, you're putting yourself out there or you've, you know, you're doing something new and different and you wonder if you've kind of got what it takes, you wonder if you're cut out for this and you're not sure how it's going to go. Strategies like you know, look at all the things that you've done in the past, like look how successful you've been, look at your achievements, fake it till you make it, you know, just act confident. And then when you get the runs on the board, you know, give you, give it a crack basically, and then you'll get the result. And then that will help to boost your confidence. Like that's really useful advice for people with self-doubt. The thing about imposter syndrome is that you can have all the runs on the board, but there's an inability to internalize that success or that achievement. It's always that you dismiss it, you write it off, you brush off the compliments, you call it a fluke, you call it luck. I was in the right place at the right time. I only got the job because of somebody that I know. Or you work so hard because you think that's what you need to do to prove yourself. Like other people can just do this stuff, but I've got to work like twice as hard to get the same results. And therefore there's this idea that that success is not repeatable. So you never actually cultivate that inner sense that I have got what it takes. Like I have just got this capability and I can just do this. It's always, no matter how successful you become, there's always the sense that it could be taken away any minute because it's not actually down to you. It's always because of some, some other thing, some other Mm. fortuitous situation or because I've had to work so much harder than other people. Totally. Do, do men get this feeling too, or is it mainly a woman, like a female thing? They do. And that's an interesting thing too, because when it was first, like the, the whole term imposter syndrome or the imposter phenomenon, because it's not actually like a syndrome, that's a medical diagnosis, but it was first identified in 1978 by a couple of female clinical psychologists who noticed it particularly with their female students, these really bright, you know, girls at uni who had this whole idea that it was a mistake, that they shouldn't have been there, that they'd somehow got led into uni by accident, like despite the fact that they were very successful. And they believed it was predominantly a female thing. And there are some people who still would say it is predominantly, it is largely a female condition. However, the research would indicate that it does, um, it, it, it affects both genders and it it's you know it affects people across different cultures different societies at all different levels um so how whether it kind of plays out differently behaviorally for men i think that is something that um that it might look different on the outside but the research would indicate that that definitely it affects everybody Hmm. men women everything in between (laughs) maybe not you Maybe not my cat. But yes, as you said, the full spectrum of genders. So is it worse now that we are being, you know, we're on social media, we're scrolling, we're spending so much time comparing ourselves to others? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I don't know what research has been done about that. That's really interesting. But certainly this element of comparison, like comparing myself to other people and finding myself coming up short, like in my own mind is 
very much a part of the imposter experience and certainly social media has really exacerbated that problem hasn't it I mean obviously we're just looking at people's outsides and looking at you know people's out external shiny achievements and happy lives and how well everybody's doing and how unruffled everybody is and comparing that to our internal experience and when our internal experience is one of just complete like I've no idea what I'm doing and it's a matter of time before people realize I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm living my whole life feeling like I'm having to put on this front so that nobody actually works out that I'm actually a total fraud then yes I think social media would very much feed into that in a negative way (laughs) and I mean it's you know you're hitting like particularly the I know the people who listen to this podcast I mean it's all about marketing your own business and getting yourself Mm. out there and I mean it is such a huge part of running your own business isn't it Mm. trying to overcome these feelings of oh god what if everybody realizes I'm a complete fraud and they've paid me this money and I can't deliver Mm. on results like seriously is there any hope what can we do about it (laughs) yeah that's the good news I mean that's why I've kind of I I always knew this was a problem but I never really realized how much of a problem and even for people who don't necessarily realize it's a problem until I was running my membership and we were just touching on various topics each month and we started talking about this this imposter syndrome thing and a whole lot of women I had a membership with a hundred women in it and they were saying oh yeah no I don't know if this is going to be really relevant to me but when I started actually describing it and describing that propensity to overwork, work later, longer, harder, the perfectionism, the obsessing, the lying awake at night, thinking about, you know, what did I do the enough or did I do the right thing or say the right thing? And that procrastination bit as well, like avoiding spinning my wheels, very relevant for entrepreneurs and people in their own business, you know, spinning their wheels and procrastination, just not taking any action at all. Um, then they all realized that oh my God, this actually, this really is me. And so I shelved the whole membership to focus 100% on addressing this issue. So there definitely, there definitely are things that you can do about it. I would argue though, that the really important thing to understand is that thing I said right at the beginning, which is understanding the difference between genuine, like basic self-doubt, which is still a problem. I mean, I totally get that that can still really hold you back if you don't address it and overcome it. But if you've experienced genuine imposter syndrome and no amount of a success makes you feel like you are any more competent or smarter or more knowledgeable um, and you somebody gives you the advice to fake it till you make it and you feel like you're faking it literally every single day and that it's you're petrified that somebody's going to find out that you're faking it, that's not good advice. Similarly, if somebody says, just keep, you know, just have a crack and you've been doing this thing for two years and you're still not feeling like your results are, you know, you're not able to internalize that success that you actually own your competence Mm -hmm. and your expertise, then that's not helpful advice. So you really need to make that distinction because the advice for self, for dealing with self-doubt and the advice for dealing with imposter syndrome and that really deep feeling of undeservingness or unworthiness, like that really deep feeling of not being good enough despite everything that you've achieved well they're going to need a different approach yeah so it sounds like it's it is a different uh, 
kettle of fish for want of a better word. I was chatting with an American yeah. recently and I was like, oh God, what does this mean in America? But um, but like that sort of feeling of confidence coming and clarity coming from taking action. But you're sort of saying that with imposter syndrome, people might be even paralyzed to take that next step, that first step. Yeah. Yes. Um, clarity. I, I think you've, you've got to, I mean, they, you have to be doing both obviously, mm-hmm. but like you have to have, you have to be, you have to be taking the action, but sometimes taking the action means that you need to do some work about like just looking at what's, what's driving this. And, you know, and a lot of it's about like really regulating your nervous system. Like there's a whole lot of stuff, I guess, that I've learned and that I teach, which is about, um, you can't challenge this just with your thinking mind alone. And I think that a lot of, a lot of what we do in the coaching world and even as a psychologist and in the mindset kind of game, it's all about changing how you think. And that's really helpful, but you, there's, there's also things that you'd need, but there's some of this stuff that runs deeper without getting too deep into it. There's some stuff that runs deeper than your conscious thinking mind, right? You have early experiences that make you feel like scared and small and unworthy, and you can't think your way out of them. You have to do something more than that. Yeah, totally. And it's funny, those things that um, I know it comes up sometimes in the NLP sessions I do that just someone saying that one thing at age five and it's just mm. led, like it's sort of snowballed and I think it's great what you're doing in order for helping women to overcome this right is it it's it overcomable or is it more like yeah. sort of in that like Elizabeth Gilbert way of talking about sort of fear it's just like hey imposter syndrome you're in the car with me and I'm driving but you're just going to hang out next to me or does it just leave the car altogether I think a bit of both. I think that there is, a, I think that when you go to a, approach anything like this, there's a bit of um, coming at it from all angles. And to some degree, we are never going to eliminate fear. Like the, exactly what you just said, the Liz, the Liz Gilbert kind of analogy. Like they, we have to accept that a bit of anxiety, a bit of self-doubt, a bit of um, wondering if I'm good enough, that's all part of the normal human experience. And we have to um take that along for the ride and to not experience that would would not only not make be human like it would kind of be dangerous we have to have a little bit of <laughs> we have to have a little bit of you know a radar a little bit of anxiety a little bit of something to keep us wary of danger um that's all normal but i also think that you can reduce that anxiety you can reduce that fear to a significant um, significant extent and feel a whole lot more comfortable. You know, you don't have to put up with that, those feelings of crippling anxiety. If you, you know, like you can, you, you actually don't need to live Mm -hmm. with that, that level of self-doubt and fear. I just want to say, huzzah, you don't need to. I wanted to ask you, I guess, uh, you know, I know in your career, you've done a lot with Tiff Hall, like being invited Mm -hmm. to be like a um, sort of like resident psychologist in her programs and memberships. When that happened for you, did you know her or was that like a bit of imposter syndrome? Did that come up for you then? 
came up as a, a professional opportunity. I was invited to be part of her program before she and I had actually personally met because I'd been working on another celebrity trainers program. Um, I didn't feel imposter syndrome in that situation because I was very much working with my within my level, you know, within my <laughs> professional kind of expertise. It's not to say that it has not ever been an issue for me. You know, for example, when my book came out, my first Crappy to Happy book came out and I'd been working online and I had a profile in TIFF's uh, community, you know, I was doing Facebook Lives every week, you know, all of this stuff, which was not a concern to me at all. But writing the first book was a really interesting experience because everybody was waiting for it to come out. And I just had this feeling of like, dread and people would people like oh my god like what if people don't like it what if people are disappointed with this what if people realize that this advice is all just pretty simple basic stuff and it's the same stuff that I've been saying of course anything that is written in anybody's book is all the same stuff that they've been saying you just take everything that you know and you put it onto paper right but I had this expectations of myself that people would be expecting this to be something like big and different and new and groundbreaking. And I was like, oh my God, these people are going to, they're going to hate this. Um, and it took me a little while and I'm like, exactly the same with the second book and the third book. Like it did not go away. Book after book after book, I had the exact same experience. It was like, oh God, this one they're going to hate. This one they're going to realize. You kept going back for more. (laughs) They kept giving me publishing contracts. I'm now writing a fourth one about, of all things, imposter syndrome. But but I think I've come a long way. I've come a long way since then. I have managed to apply some of these strategies to myself, which is what makes me feel qualified to teach other people because I have I have worked through this stuff myself. Um, but yeah, and I think it can be really surprising. It can come, it can bubble up, and you suddenly go, "Ah, oh, oh, this is this is interesting." Mm. Um, yeah, and other situ- other things that I've done, I I haven't necessarily had that concern at all so it's it's just interesting isn't it it's very interesting and I completely felt the same and I didn't have a publishing contract but it was more even just like who am I to put out a book right who can write a book and then now I just tell everyone to have a book I'm like you can have a book of course you can have a book you want a book you get a book (laughs) um I also like I think one thing that I really like and I I talk about this a lot and it's public information there was this woman called Valerie Young who way back in the 80s got interested in this topic as well I don't think she's a psychologist I don't know what her qualification is but she wrote a book called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women which is a great name for a book right Mm -hmm. Um, and she identified these five different kind of categories of imposter when she talked about imposter syndrome and um, I tell people what they are now all of the time and like one is the perfectionist and it's like the rule the rule that you've got about what you need to do or achieve in order to be considered competent and it's only your own internal rule like it's nobody else's rule and the perfectionist is um, you know I've got to do everything perfectly all the time and the soloist is I've got to do everything on my own I can't ask for help and the um, expert which applies very much to me is I got to know all the things about all the things I got to know I've done all the courses and I think entrepreneurs too like they have to have done another course they have to do another qualification they have to do another uh, Facebook ads course a sales course a marketing mm-hmm. course uh, you know um, a life coaching course uh, something else you know, they got to do every course going and so that expert mode is um, 
is the is the knowledge version of the perfectionist and then there is the um the superhuman like the superwoman or the superman that has to be you know achieving in every domain in life not just perfectionist in their work but at home and as a parent and as a friend and as a partner and I can't even remember what the fifth one is whatever it might come to you but it all of those things just made me feel really tired (laughs) (laughs) these poor women doing all the things doing all the courses and and that expert mode as well and I think particularly in this sort of like course creator entrepreneurial space you know it's like oh I've got to do the thing that's you know go back to like a Bob Dylan song the thing that's never been done and it's like no actually and my favorite stories that I love to tell people is like simple selves you don't have to know everything about everything in order to make a really successful business it's so true it is so true I think that's a really important thing like the expectations that we put on ourselves compared to anybody else's expectations are you know usually just so ridiculously um you know disproportionate to what anybody else would want um and we just have to bring it back to bring it back to simple Mm -hmm. I totally agree Definitely. And it seems like um, I've known you for a couple of years and you've had like courses in mindfulness and meditation and like for busy people and in relationships. And now it's this imposter syndrome take like what, like how do you decide where your business is going next and what you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to now focus on this. That's an interesting question. I, I got into working online. Obviously, as you mentioned, I was working with Tiff. We were doing, Tiff and I launched the Crap It A Happy podcast together. I still had a private therapy business, uh, sorry, private therapy practice, but I was had moved away from the city. I'd moved to the coast and I was looking to wind it back and I wanted to work more online. So I was getting these opportunities to do these things which were different and away from my one-on-one work, but I... I hadn't actually created like an online offering, an online course at some point. Like, duh, I thought, oh, maybe I should have an online course. And I spun my wheels again for ages thinking, well, what would I, what would I teach? And somebody asked me, in fact, Janet Cadafa, Cadafa, Janet Cadafa, I always say her name wrong. I know Um, her too. You know Janet, right? She's amazing. And she was in the business of helping people create online courses. And she said to me, well, what do you already teach people? And I said, oh, I teach people mindfulness. Like that's a big part of everything that I do. And she said, well, whatever you're already teaching people, just package it up and teach it to them online. And I was like, oh my God. And it was the simplest thing I ever did. I already had a community. Again, keep it simple. I already had a community. I said, I want to offer this thing online. They all bought it. And, you know, I've since updated it and I've since revised it, but it was just easy. Like I was overthinking it so much. Um, Then the first book came out and somebody suggested to me that um, sometimes it's nice to have a, a course that kind of goes along with the book. So hence I created the Crappy to Happy online program um and to be honest Miranda I've just I've I've spent a lot of time trying to come back to I think people will relate to this too what feels good for me what feels easy for me because I think we can make things really hard for ourselves and I am a I am a classic overcomplicator. like um just making a whole lot of work for myself that I don't have to make 
So at the start of COVID, I thought I want to run a membership. That feels good to me. People don't have a lot of money. Everybody's stuck in the, inside their house. Um, I want to create a sense of community. Like everybody, we were going into our very first lockdown. We had no idea what the future was going to hold. Um, and so I just created this membership. And again, I, I just put it out there and people joined. And I did that for about a year. And it was great. And I loved it. Um, and then I struck upon this imposter syndrome thing and that's what I'm doing at the moment, which I love and I'm really enjoying it. And I, I have learned that I don't have to creating something now and serving people now in whatever way doesn't mean that that's what I have to keep on doing for the next, you know, for the rest of my natural born life. I can, I still, my other programs are still available. People can still hop on and, and buy them, but I'm not doing big launches. I'm not running Facebook groups. They're there. The content's there. It's available, but you know, you can change your mind and do something else. Oh, I love it. If I could drop my microphone without completely ruining the audio, <laughs> I would right now, Cass. That was awesome. I just think it's, it's important to give ourselves permission. And, yes. and when you give yourself permission, it means other people can do it too. And I think that's such an important thing that, you know, like as much as people, and it's, <laughs> I like to challenge people with this thing. He's like, oh, I'm suffering from imposter syndrome. It's like, if you're running your own business and people follow you on Instagram to hear about your area of expertise, you're a leader in your field. Mm. And I know when I um, just a couple of weeks ago uh, announced everyone, I'm closing down my coaching group for a little while. One of my group members was like, now I feel like I can change my tack as well. Like I don't have to keep doing this thing that doesn't feel good in my business. And I was like, yeah, wow. Yes, that is what we're doing. And uh, yeah, I think that's a really important message. I felt really like I had launched this membership. I, I mean, I ran it for a year, but I felt so much uh, like guilt. Like I was letting people down. People mm. had joined. Uh, I'd even had people pay in advance for like a, you know, beyond when I continued to, it was called beyond. That's interesting. Um, people had paid for like beyond when I wanted to continue running it. So, but I just said, was really honest. And I said, I want to put my energy into this online program. I can't do both. We put the membership on pause temporarily. Like I just sort of suspended it. I said, you can still have access to all the content, but I'm just not going to create anything new for this period of time. And they were fine. Um, and then I've just kept them. I think you just communicate like I've just kept them posted with every step along the way they all knew that I was creating this new program many of those members have jumped into the new program but they had like I had their blessing you know they said this is great like we really love that you're just putting you know um, being true to yourself and doing mm. the thing that feels really inspiring and meaningful for you I think we can get very bogged down with the weight of other people's expectations, but not even other people's expectations, what we think other people expect of us, you know, what we think people want us to be doing. Well, they couldn't give a shit. <laughs> so meta. It's just like not, not what they think, what we think that they think. But what we think they what... think. <laughs> and it's so true. And like yeah. you said, it's just like, why not just ask them or yes. no? Just tell them. And yeah, I think that's a really, for anybody listening, I mean, you know, I think that's really important just to go back to what feels good. I think we cause ourselves so much stress doing yes. what we think we need to do or what we think other people expect us to do. And, and my, my mantra these days is let it be easy. And I don't mean easy as in, I just want to cruise through life. I mean, 
what feels effortless to me, what feels, I can still be, you know, complex, challenging work. It can still be really good work and, and it can still involve work, but if it feels, if it feels effortless, if I'm so inspired by it and I'm enjoying it and it's what I'm good at doing and what I feel passionate about. But if anything feels like it's like, God, I just cannot face doing that for another, you know, like I just can't, then it's time to, it's time to change. Yes. And we need to listen to that voice Mm. for sure. And it just said, I do have a question about this, which um, because you did transition from like that sort of service based model of psychology appointments, I'm assuming they were like Mm one-on-one you know, person to person. And Mm. then you transitioned to this online program world. Did you receive any backlash at that point? Of people no. saying, oh, but I wanted to see you one-on-one. Like, what are you doing? No. No? Cool. No. No. I just, um, well, I, I, I continue to do one-on-one until I didn't. And so, I mean, I'd also made that transition from leaving the city and moving to the country. And so, and I was traveling back to the city for like two days a week. And then I dropped it back to like one day a week. And then I dropped it back to one day. So I had had this very, like over a two year period I had very slowly transitioned out of that practice and then here on the coast I hadn't yet really established a thriving practice I was still looking for a space I was still building up my referral base and to be honest that's why it was the perfect time for me to opt out because I thought do I really want to invest into creating another big you know one-on-one um you know, work by the, get paid by the hour kind of situation, or do I want to take this opportunity to do something that reaches more people and that gives me more flexibility? So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, with COVID, with telehealth now, I I did offer to to take on some one-on-one clients um, because I can do it from home now by Zoom and Medicare still pays. And so I do that. So I do have a handful of one-on-one clients now. It's just come back full circle and I still... I find that a really nice balance. I'm not like open for like to book up my diary with one-on-one. I'm a little bit selective, but, um, but I still, I still have a hand in that one-on-one clinical work as well as all of the other things that I do. I love that. Cause I think, you know, again, sort of this imposter syndrome and what do people think if I, whatever we were just saying, but that Mm. feeling of, I can't, go online I can't do this online program people want the one-on-one style of support and like you just said it's like is that working for you if it is Mm -hmm. do it if it's not think about how else you can run your business it can look like anything when I first decided to get into this online business I did a program which was all as my very very first you know course to teach me how to like do an online business run an online course or something and it was all about sales funnels and it was all so this is what back in 2015 it was you know how to you had to put out a freebie like a a lead magnet and then you had to get people to opt in and give you their email address and then you've put them through some sort of nurture sequence like everybody's very familiar with this process right this was all new to me at the time and and I put it out like I, I didn't have a very effective funnel because at the end of it, I what I wanted to sell people, what I wanted to do was coaching because I also have a master's in coaching psychology. I've worked as a life coach and executive coach. I just didn't want to do therapy. And I knew that I could do coaching online, like from home. So I um, put this offer out and I at the end of it, like people, oh, that was the start of Crappy to Happy because my free opt-in with my seven-day Crappy to Happy 
um, like seven day course, um, which is now called Happiness Starts Here, but it's exactly the same thing that I put out back in 2015. Anyway, so I had a thousand people opt in in the space of a few weeks. It was enormously successful. And then I offered them like a free 15 minute like call to get on a call with me um, to see if I could like then sell them into some coaching thing. And I had all of these people book calls from all over the world only to find out that what they actually wanted just was 15 minutes free therapy. Like they just wanted to get on a call with me because I knew I was a psychologist and have free therapy. Like I did not get one single person to buy this, 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 whatever I was selling. Yeah. And the, and the woman who was teaching the course at the time said, well, if that's what people want, why don't you just give it to them? Like, if that's what people are telling you that they want. And I was like, do you not understand that the whole reason that I've paid this money to do this course is because I don't want to do therapy. Like I don't, not only are there like legal implications, ethical implications, people can't get Medicare rebates. Like I, I'm this whole point of this thing is because I don't want to do that. And so I thought, wow, people like, no, you don't have to just deliver something because that's what people want you to. That's what people yeah. are telling you they want. No, you choose, take control, decide. You know, obviously there's got to be some sort of market for it. You have to, you know, you have to see what people want, but you don't have to just keep doing the same old thing because people have this expectation that that's what, that's, that's what you do. Yes. Awesome. I love so that. That was a very long-winded long story. Oh, well, I love that you didn't cave and just be like, right. okay, everyone, I'll do what you want me to do. No. What are you talking about? If I wanted to run do a therapy business, I'd go and still do my therapy business. <laughs> I don't want some fancy online funnel. <laughs> I thought you were going to be hating on the funnel, and I was like, oh god, everyone, don't listen to that. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, no, the funnel was great. The funnel, funnel worked. The <laughs> funnel worked. The funnel was magic. I just didn't have a very. I just hadn't worked like at the. What I was selling at the end was not appropriate to the funnel, and I've since learned a lot since then. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I mean, you sound like you're, you know, very fun and you like following what you like to do. So Cass, what do you do for fun? Well, now that you ask, um, at the moment, so last year I did my yoga teacher training for one reason only, and that was so that I would do more yoga. <laughs> like I literally I've often thought did, about doing it. <laughs> I, I literally did the yoga teacher training. My friend actually runs the course. And so I did it because it would force me to get to yoga. And I'm so glad that I did because I do a lot more yoga now. And the other thing is that we, as I said, we moved to the coast and we moved to the country. And just before Christmas, we moved to the ocean. So it's only like a 25 minute drive from the hinterland to the ocean, but like going to the beach every day, taking my dogs to the beach is just so fun. And it is a dream um, to be living here and just being, being so close to the ocean now. So that's fun for me at the moment. Oh, I love it. And yes, it is awesome. Probably not today though, because you did say it is torrentially pouring today. Yeah. Yeah. It's cyclonic. It is, uh, yep. So, so no beach today. No beach today. But no yoga. In, <laughs> still doing yoga inside. 
<laughs> I can do yoga at my house. I like my little studio though. And so um, one of the things that I've noticed about you lately, Cass, you're probably overcoming a bit of your own imposter syndrome, start putting yourself out there with the Instagram reels, um, yes. which have been awesome. And I also know you're on TikTok. So do you want to let everyone know where they can come and check you out, maybe get some tips around overcoming imposter syndrome, check out your course and obviously your new podcast and book that are coming out. Ah, yes. So the new, um, so my new program is called Beyond Confident. Um, you can read all about it at, um, if you go, just go to my website, castdun.com, there'll be a link there that will tell you all about that. My Instagram is castdun underscore XO. And yes, I have been trying to get into doing more reels and I love TikTok. So that is my, that is where I'm putting my energy in social media at the moment because I think it's fun and you've got to be yourself. And I love doing those silly, um, those silly reels and not having to be so professional all the time. Um, and I have got a new podcast coming. So obviously the Crappy to Happy podcast is very successful and that's where I interview a lot of other people about what they do. The new podcast will be called The Confidence Coach. It's due to come out in about the next month or so um and that is where i will be talking through particular confidence challenges and then i have an uh audio book actually due for release um around christmas time so i can when that's available it'll be plastered all over my social media awesome well thank you so much for this Fantastic chat. I think a lot of people would have gotten a lot out of it. And just also that that feeling of if you do feel those imposter syndromes, that feeling of self-doubt overcoming despite all evidence <laughs> to the contrary, mm. you don't have to feel like that forever. And that no, is pretty fabulous if you ask me. Absolutely fabulous. Thanks so much, Cass. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Mm-hmm.